0: Listening to episode six of Fatalists, a podcast devoted to the Showcase Network supernatural series Lost Girl, now also airing on Sci-Fi. My name's Dave, and I'm here with Wayne. And Wayne, you got back from uh, a week with the family, so uh, I'm guessing you didn't get too much sci-fi watching in.
1: Not a lot. No, well, not any at all, as a matter of fact. Um, but I, I did a good job of increasing my tolerance to alcohol, though.
0: Well, that's that's always a good thing, and uh, mentioning that, and uh, we don't want you to get the wrong impression, but in uh, as an homage to Ronald D. Moore, and if you don't know who Ronald D. Moore is, look him up on uh, Wikipedia, uh, tonight's beverage of choice is Magic Hat Pale Ale, and uh, the last few weeks it has been Blue Moon, is that what it was? I think so. Blue Moon, okay, so uh, we're only one each, don't yep. get the wrong idea. All right, so uh yeah, for me I've been plowing through season 1 of uh Fringe on my annual rewatch getting ready for season 5, the season finale. And uh I'm telling you, it's just awesome and there's so many things that I guess, you know, I mean, I remember seeing them at the time, but uh, you know, now they they make sense and I know you watched season 1 relatively recently, right?
1: Yeah, just a couple of months ago I went back and and did Fringe all over again, um up you know, season 1, 2 and 3. And yeah, they definitely you go back, and all of a sudden there's all these things that like, oh yeah, you don't know now because I mean especially when you got you know like a twenty what twenty two twenty four episode seasons, there's a lot of stuff that you know you kind of forget, and then you go back and watch it, and you, it makes sense, especially with uh, what happens further down the line.
0: All right, I mean I remember you telling me the, the the episode where Walter comes in with a box of toys, and and Peter says you know they're not my toys, and didn't mean anything at the time. At the time was. Com- Completely a blow-off line, but then watching the
1: second time, I'm like,
0: "Whoa, yeah!" Just so, all right. And I actually had to wait a week uh, for Falling Skies, so I haven't uh, seen episode eight yet. But it did air this past weekend, so I'll get to that uh, this week. But uh, why don't we do a little bit of uh, Lost Girl and Sci-Fi news? And uh, you know, on the Sci-Fi Network, uh, they just ran the. 16th episode of season two schools out and uh, we've got one coming up this week and august 10th but uh, you know they've been filming up in canada and right now they're on a two-week hiatus and it's been pretty interesting to, to follow some of the actors twitter pages and the the one thing that i've, I've noticed uh, over several of them is that uh, linda hamilton who we mentioned is going to be in at least one episode this year uh, has made quite an impression on some of the cast members because several of them have uh, tweeted about her and you know how cool it is to have her. Yeah, it's freaking Sarah Connor.
1: Come on, man. Right. Like. The original.
0: I mean, as great as Lena Heady is as <laughs> right. Sarah Connor,
1: she she and she was great, but uh, you know Linda Hamilton's the original. She was the first. So
0: right, and, uh, and
1: that's that definitely would make
0: an impression upon me. Yeah. So apparently she filmed her scenes and and they were really, as one of them even said, really geeked out about it. So uh, now in terms of the numbers, I mean, it continues to do well. The the most recent numbers I saw were from July 27th and in their time slot, uh, they're the third rated cable show behind American Dad and Common Law. And, uh, you know, uh, I think the numbers have been good, and, you know, we're looking forward to January of 2013 for Season 3. So uh, I guess they're going to probably, you know, end up running, rerunning Season 1 and 2 again, you know, in the interim at some point. Yeah, they'll
1: have one of those marathons that... You know, like I got back from vacation and there was like 37 Doctor Who's on my uh, DVR and it wiped out pretty much everything else. And luckily, my wife didn't see that. And luckily, she doesn't really listen to this podcast because, you know, all of her Grey's Anatomy's got. X'd. yeah I know. Uh, that. I felt yeah. bad because like I've already seen. Them. I don't even watch him. Like I delete the doc. I basically have it set for Doctor Who for whenever the new Doctor Who season arrives. You know. So basically, it's re-recording all this stuff that I, as soon as I see it, I delete it because I can. I have it on DVD. You can watch it on <laughs> Netflix. You know, and everything.
0: So, all right. Anyway, there's some big news surrounding uh, the sci-fi network. In addition to this, Brian Fuller, who you might know from Pushing Daisies and Hannibal's, coming back to sci-fi as he's bringing Reunion Pictures' High Moon to a pilot. And uh, if you're a uh, comic fan, this is not to be confused with the Werewolf Western webcomic of the same name. Uh, Canadian indie producer Reunion's going to adapt John Christopher's novel, The Lotus Caves, with Fuller executive producing. And the 90-minute pilot's going to be shot in Vancouver this fall. And the premise is that, uh, you know, Uh, Nations of the Earth are now establishing colonies on the moon to take advantage of its resources because the Earth's Earth's resources are being depleted. So these people know that Terra Nova didn't work out, right? I understand. They they saw that last year, right? But this is is made in Canada, so it's got a shot. Okay, true. Now, people live inside huge bubble communities and aren't allowed outside the safety of the man-made structure. Of course, though, that's not good enough for two young boys who venture outside discover a series of caves underneath the moon's surface and what they find down there is both shocking and exciting and, and I mean actually there's more uh, leaked out there but I'll leave it at that. So, you know, now Sci-Fi's also given a pilot commitment to a project from M Night Shyamalan and Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Marty Knox entitled Proof. Shyamalan, who made his mark with The Sixth Sense, I see dead people. I see a dead career. <laughs> well, he's slated to direct the uh, the Universal Cable Project, uh, which is basically his first small screen project. And the premise here is that uh, there's a son of a millionaire tech genius, his parents die in an accident, and he offers a large reward to anybody that can find proof of life after death. Uh, now, Shia Milan and Noxon, who co-wrote the project and serve as executive producers, it's going to come out... Uh, You know, after sci-fi renewed game show Total Blackout and, of course, Lost Girl, but opted not to move forward with Sanctuary and Eureka. And and Eureka is something I'm not familiar with, but I thought, you know, somewhere along the line, it might be one of those shows that it's good for us to look at the pilot. You ever seen it?
1: I haven't, but I'm trying to... to, The the name sounds familiar. I guess probably you mentioned it to me before, or I'd seen it maybe... Oh, wait, I think I've seen it on Netflix. It, It keeps popping up in my... You know, you should watch this and Netflix, that yeah, I mean, and, uh, I, Warehouse 13. I think
0: the premise is something that, that they're all like, you know, uh, geniuses, you know, scientists, and they live in this one town. And I guess they, you know, they're almost like Walter Bishop types. And, you know. Um, all right. So anyway, uh, now, for months, we were waiting to find out whether or not Fringe was going to get its fifth season. And the number 100 loomed in the background because... Uh, apparently, syndicating a show becomes infinitely easier if it's got a hundred episodes in the can. So, Discovery Communications Cable Network Science Channel has acquired syndication rights to the cult drama Fringe, which is good news. Now, the deal's said to be non-exclusive, which means they're going to be able to syndicate it to streaming services. So, you know, whether Netflix, Amazon, I think has a streaming yep. service. So. And the th- Hulu, I think, does too. Doesn't okay. They? Now it's going to begin airing on the Science Channel in late 2012. Now this comes one month after Fox renewed the low-rated, critical cult favorite for its fifth and final 13-episode uh, season, which allowed it to get to the 100-episode mark. Uh, the, you know, the series, as most of you know, created by J.J. Abrams, Alex Kurtzman, Robert Orsi, was moved to Friday nights in its third season. Don't say it. Okay. Uh, yeah, we discussed the last right? time. So. Uh, Fringe reruns will join a network that already includes reruns of Joss Whedon's Firefly, and Fringe's John Noble already has been hosting a six-part series called Dark Matters: Twisted but True on Science. And then, uh, lastly, uh, you know, the Science Channel's been you know really hyped up and and you know, with good reason about the Mars landing. And I haven't seen any of the footage yet, but uh, pretty exciting stuff. I heard there was a crowd of people in Times Square chanting
1: science, 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 you know, like, just, that's, I'm not sure whether it's cool or strange or both, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not
0: your everyday crowd pump up a chant probably a little of both all right and then lastly i ran across this today uh because we're going to be talking about the vampire diaries pilot later in the show tonight Uh, apparently several members of the cast uh congratulated olympic gold medalist gabby douglas with a video that you can see on youtube uh and surprise surprise what is she 16 that vampire diaries is her favorite show so uh, i haven't looked at the youtube and probably won't but you know if you're a fan of the show or a fan of gabby douglas you might want to take a peek at that there you go all right well
1: also there's a couple because i actually have some news i was on vacation and uh i was actually went to the old stomping grounds my old college and went into the school store to spend tons of money on t-shirts and whatnot and i see uh Entertainment Weekly has uh, Matt Smith on the cover for Doctor Who, and it has like the 20, we mentioned it, the 25 cult, top cult uh, shows of all time was this big article, so it was a, a pretty cool article. Unfortunately, I think I left the magazine in the bathroom in Toronto, so um, I can't pass it on to you, but okay. you know, if you see it out there, it's cool. They had a big article on Doctor Who there as well, which... Now I came home because now I'm psyched about Doctor Who. I'm thinking, okay, well maybe you know, he's on the cover of a big magazine, so maybe they've announced the, you know, the premiere for uh, episode or season seven. Uh, and of course they haven't yet, still BBC America, just their vague fall of 2012, which you know obviously could be any time in the next three to four months, and just, they just, they toy with us, they toy with us like this, it drives you crazy, but there is a very, very cool trailer there that if you're a Whovian that you should go on to uh, BBC America and check out the, the uh, trailer for season seven, and also, I don't know if you heard this, that this is very exciting, Ben Browder is going to be on Doctor Who. Oh, I did see that in season seven. Yeah, so yeah. that's uh, from Farscape, and that's that's going to be awesome. I can't. That's. I wonder how they're going to work them in. I wonder what call...
0: Claudia Black's doing. Yeah.
1: yeah, If they could get her into that. Well, would be... now
0: the other thing is, and I think we mentioned this in one of our news segments uh, earlier, is that uh, I think we're coming up, whether it's this week or next week, but the Brit and I forget the exact name of it, but some British film institute, and they're going to be pre-screening the Doctor Who season series seven. Uh, pilot or not pilot uh, premiere premiere so you know be curious whether that leaks out i'm gonna you know stay away i'm gonna stay spoiler free you
1: know yeah obviously it's definitely gonna leak out no question about it but just yeah i I just have to discipline to to stay away and 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 wait for the the actual moment.
0: All right. And there's also been some discussion. And again, I've tried to not read it about, you know, how much River Song is actually going to be in it this year. So, you know, we'll wait and uh, wait and see. So, all right. So why don't we get to some Lost Girl uh, action here? And before we jump into uh, the episode Dead Lucky, which is episode five from season one, um, I don't know if you saw it on Showcase's website. They've got uh, they run polls periodically. So the the current poll is which character do you want to see more of in season three? All right. So Wayne, I want your vote. Do you want Vex? Do you want more of the Morrigan? More Lauren? More Hale? More Trick? Or more Dyson? Okay. Well, and I, I already can voted
1: down to two, and I have very different reasons for wanting to see more of them. Um, I'd like to see Vex because he's quite possibly my favorite character in the entire show he's awesome the morgan though is super hot and whenever she's on she just she really lights up the screen but i am going to go with my less base instincts and go with
0: vex i, I, I do want to see more of vex this is a question vex okay. that's my vote all right yeah i'm going to register your vote and it's in all right so so who's who's winning vex has four percent what that's crazy. you know do these people even watch the show Hale has sixteen percent yeah dyson fourteen percent trick eleven trick has more than vex see that
1: that's just crazy I mean trick's all right, but you know he's he's pretty much he's usually
0: a, a kind of a downer you know uh the Morgan has a little over six percent what that's I don't, And in the lead, Lauren. Lauren with forty-eight percent. It must be like her
1: family and everything is voting this. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, Zoe Palmer. She's a a really great actress. The character of Lauren is very is a great character, very compelling. But I mean, really, I mean, plus she's in there a ton already.
0: Well, whatever. You know, there's no accounting Mm -hmm. for taste. I guess I'm not going to tell you who I voted for then. (laughs) All (laughs) right. (laughs) All right, so anyway, on to uh, Dead Lucky. Uh directed by John Fawcett and uh he, it's funny, he, he's going to direct, you know, the next 3 episodes after this as well. And uh this episode was written by Emily Andrus who is now, you know, the, She's explo- the head writer now. right head yeah. writer and uh showrunner I believe. All right, so uh you know any first thoughts before we Well, I like how it starts off with a bang. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> um, but uh yeah, it's a it's a very good episode uh very strong and finally we are getting a insight into the world of the dark Fae, which was really cool because otherwise you know i mean the the actual plot was kind of lame when you really think about it 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 wasn't really much to the actual plot but the uh it was definitely character driven episode with some very interesting characters in there it's especially uh the the dark
0: face. well you know it, it it's similar into in uh In the same way as Continuum, which I know you're watching in that part of the, you know, each episode is that procedural, you know, in that uh, in Continuum, it's a police procedural here, it's it's kind of a detective procedural and you run the risk of, you know, if, if that story's not good. It can really bog down. And this one kind of bogged down for me until, again, it's funny because a lot of times until I really sit down and start making my notes, you mentioned the beginning. So that one of the major themes, I think, is certainly the development of Bo and Dyson's relationship, uh, you know, with the whole no strings attached, you know. Right. Well, I thought
1: uh, one of those those motifs here, it seems like they all start with the, the letter R. We talked last time about uh, restraint and rejection, and this one we see a lot of rules. Like w- between and right at the beginning, uh, Bo and Dyson are making the rules to govern their relationship, which is is funny. I mean, I guess we everyone does this to some extent, but how often do you actually outright? Say, you know, otherwise, well, most of the rules are like kind of socially sanctioned, like the marriage rights. Those are the rules. Love, honor, obey, bam, bam, bam. There you go. That's what you got to do. How often does a couple really sit and make rules for each other? Like, here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do.
0: Right. Um, So, you know, that I thought certainly that was interesting in that opening scene while, you know, there there would be people that would argue that it was just gratuitous. I mean, I think there was really something there, like you said. Uh, One of the other things, you know, I had on my list, you, you mentioned, you know, the whole light fae versus dark fae underpinnings where we really learn more about you know how the two coexist and uh you know relatively peacefully coexist at this point um but again because of rules you know like
1: like dice is like well i can't go there and then when he shows up at at meyer's place Meyer's like okay you can come in but not him right so you know there's these rules and then i think meyer has the, the, the the you know a uh a bad peace is better than a good war. In other words, right. so even though we don't like each other, um, not liking each other peacefully is, is much better than you know being at war and violence. And right, stuff
0: and like you that. you wonder how long we can carry on this? Uh, Beau being hired because she's unaligned. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. again, a, a, again, that's why she was called. Uh, you know, by Meyer in this uh, in this case. Now, the other thing that uh, we, I think we see and it, we kind of get it, you know, with a with a bang at the end is her search for information about her parents, and then that revelation there at the very end about you know her importance in the big picture, you know, which uh, you know we'll talk about. So, uh, I mean, any other you know themes that you? Yeah, you know, like I said the main one it seemed like there was just
1: a lot of, of rules there and then there's more of this this kind of continuing uh, Theme from week to week is is both search for self and that's her prime motivator in this episode is Finding out more about herself and her her parents and that's what makes her take the case and and ends up, as you said, at the very end, that's the, the ending scene is, is her getting some revelation there about that. So, you know, it seems like every couple episodes she finds something else out about herself.
0: Well, even Kenzie, you know, has rules thrown at her when, you know, that scene with Hale, where where he's basically telling her that she needs to prove herself if she's going to, you know, continue to integrate in the... Uh, into the fake community and, yeah. and, and, and their working relationship. And, and Kenzie trying to integrate is also, I think, something that came out. Right. And Kenzie trying to find her, her own place, not being a side. She's like, I'm not a sidekick,
1: you know, and, and Hale, you know, obviously feels the same way. But then there, it, it becomes not necessarily apparent, but it seems as if they are. Sidekicks, the both of them, and Hale is kind of okay with that. But Kenzie is not so much. She's bristling at some of her role in this relationship with Bo as being a secretary or an assistant. I think the one lady calls her um, Bo's assistant. She's like, I'm not her assistant. Like, you know, Kenzie sees it were on kind of an equal basis, but then now she's starting to really realize that people don't see her as an equal to Bo. That the outside people see her as. Kind of like a kept girl as, as a second banana, and she doesn't like that and so she makes some strides here to um, throw cast off that uh, perception of her as being a sidekick second banana type
0: yeah yeah and she's anything but and and there, there's a couple of things we'll we can talk about with her in a second, but why don't we just run through real quickly the the whole you know the subplot with the procedural so so we see Bose kidnapped. Taken to a restaurant to meet with Meyer, who is a luck fay, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, so the, uh, he takes people's luck. Is that what the deal is? Yeah, or he f- oh. yeah, he feeds off of people's luck. And okay, everything. and he's also a bookie in the human world, and uh, he, we we learn he's dark fay. He wants to hire Bo because uh, some human has duped him out of two hundred grand.
1: Yeah, and he's you know annoyed about that, and we see what well, we saw kind of the last episode as well that there's this kind of racism uh, involved in the Fae world uh, is how a lot of Fey's look at humans. I guess I don't know if it's racism, the Feyism, humanism, whatever you would call it, that uh, the Fae look down at humans. Now, last episode, it was this really snobbish type of attitude mm-hmm. that the, um, I can't remember her name, but the the Fury had. Now, it's Meyer's attitude is not necessarily a snobbish one, but he, he he's a, a A a parasite, right? He feeds off of humans, and he he basically kind of he doesn't hurt them per se, but uh, he certainly they're worse off by being in his presence. Um, So there's that again, an idea that well humans are kind of like for food, or humans are some lesser being; they're not on a
0: par with us, right? Well, you know, and where we also see that you know is with Trick, and, and you know, Trick has, I mean, his. Uh, you know we talked about how he seems to be in charge to some degree i mean he seems to be you know setting out you know he's told dyson about you know what what kind of relationship he can have with Bo. but he se- he was really kind of a darker character and we really saw his less understanding i mean you you just mentioned he he says humans are for feeding off of not wearing and then uh you know he, he uh, when, when Bo and Dyson are going at it in another room, you know, that whole thing, did my troll get out? And, and, you know, he he's just really kind of angry about all that.
1: Yeah. He gets really annoyed that, uh, you know, that Dyson and has kind of well disobeyed him, right? Because right. he before had ordered Dyson not to mess around with Bo. And here they are, they're going at it right in his bar that of course, again, Dyson's taking one for the team here. Yep. You know, it's not for pleasures, merely for right. healing. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, Trick is is very very upset.
0: Right. By now that. now we we learn Meyer apparently he owes money to you know somebody that's above him in the Dark Fey chain, and you know we wonder is that does he owe it to the Morgan? I mean, does the Morgan take a cut of whatever he makes? I mean, we don't know who it is, but we know he owes money to somebody. Well, he does
1: mention the Morgan, and but we know that she's at the top, and ultimately, so it appears that the Dark Fey is organized. Like the mob, basically. Right. You know, where Meyer has to make money that he sends to the people above him. And if he can't get that money, why he you know, that's a big deal for him to recover this uh two hundred thousand that he lost because he's gotta pay the people above him. And if, if he can't do that, well then there's some insinuation as to bad things are gonna to happen to him.
0: Right. And and I guess the way the the procedural part ties into everything is that Bo agrees to do it. Uh you know in in return, what she receives from Meyer is a session with his niece, who is an oracle and you know i mean th- th- we've talked about how the writing in this this series is just awesome and and some of the lines mm-hmm. are great but uh you know w- he you know he knows that Bo wants information about her parents and he brings his niece out and mm-hmm. you remember. You know, I can't remember what she said. Well, but just... well, it's like some kind of like skater. Well, she's like a, like a, a teeny bopper
1: right. with her hair and little tight pigtails, and she's got a lollipop. And... What up,
0: homies? Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. You know, and and you know, on the one hand, very Kenzie like, but but you know, almost like Kenzie as a thirteen or fourteen year old. So obviously, she's very skeptical, um, and. Uh, um, you know yeah, Bo and Kenzie says, I just dis-
1: told you I was legit, you know, like it just seems like you're right right teenage stereotype yeah you know.
0: now the the kind of the twist we find out is uh you know, and again, we see uh Dyson helping her out with you know, police databases, and you know she looks at some security footage, and uh what they find out is that the guy that cheated him out of the money has apparently been dead for. <laughs> several days. Yeah.
1: Well, they, you know, they show up to the guy's house and there's Irish music playing and people drinking. So Ken's like, Hey, it's a party. Awesome. And they walk in the room and then you know there, there's the guy in the casket. So I was like, Oh, it's right. not a party.
0: And, and we learn about another Faye, uh, who are called body jumpers. and uh, The
1: Shien, yeah. a Japanese type. I didn't look this one up. So okay, I, I didn't either. Uh, the... I
0: know from the, one of the few things I remember from French was that Shien was dog, but I don't know how that applies here. So, uh, we know, that's about... right.
1: I, I was in Paris once and I ate at a place called uh, Le Chien qui fume, or I probably pronounce it totally wrong, but it's basically the smoking dog, which I'll never forget that because I just thought it was the coolest uh, name for a. Uh,
0: a restaurant. All right. Well anyway, so Dyson has uh he has a suspect in mind, like the, the light fay that works in the morgue. And that was a pretty cool scene when you go to the morgue and they, uh <laughs> the, the, the dead body the dancing. De- the dead blonde dancing <laughs> around. Uh you know. But you know, we we find pretty soon that that it's uh it's not him and that there's a dark fay body jumper in town named Lucas. Is that what Lucas, yes. Okay. And uh he now becomes the Uh, Likely suspect. We find out later that it's Meyer's nephew who hired him uh, because his uncle wasn't showing him respect. Right. Well, you know, for 300 years, you know, if you're still kind of like the little, you know,
1: gopher boy or whatever. uh, You might get a little frustrated with not seeing any kind of real advancement here. But then again, you know, like he he still picks his nose though and everything. Which I thought was great. It's like, "Are
0: you picking?" He goes, "I have allergies." Well, and the other thing it it was interesting, you know, the question like you mentioned the mafia. I mean, if this was the mafia, um, you know, this guy would be, you know, uh, dismembered and the parts buried in, you know, neighboring states and he says, "Nah, he's family." So, you know, the idea is he's going to just he's going to go away for a vacation apparently
1: yeah so I mean it doesn't seem like it's good whatever's gonna happen to uh Seymour there but uh but he's not gonna die
0: yeah apparently
1: yeah. again as he's family so again like a lot of these uh mob Ties here, yeah. Like the, the guy who played Myers, you know, like I, I swear I've seen this guy in some. But I went to oh, the yeah. IMDb page, and he's been in like tons and tons of things. But I'm not sure if it's anything I've ever actually seen him in. But I guess he, you know, he played this as kind of like this stereotypical kind of gangster. So it really seemed like I must have seen this guy in a thousand other things. But he was
0: really good. i, I liked like uh, the oh yeah, Myers in that. So, all right, why don't we take a look at Dyson and, and, you know, back to the the opening scene again, you know, that now they're at the police station, right? They're doing it on his desk. Yes. I mean, so, you know, looking at it objectively, he's taking a pretty big risk here. Well, but there was, uh, she was in need of, well, okay, she said she was in need of,
1: of healing. And so, you know, basically it appears that, whenever whenever she needs healing is you know wherever they are that's that's where it happens
0: right but i mean when you you know the in terms of the risk not so much from uh angering trick but from blowing his cover you know as a as a human police officer and you know one of the the fey rules don't draw attention to yourself so you know pretty big risk here yeah for sure but you know dyson has already shown that he is not averse to
1: risk he is he, he totally throws himself right in the face of, of any risk that uh,
0: he has an opportunity to. So, or is it that he's just not very smart? Because he, well, it could be too. Because he says he never went to high school. Right now. Right. We know Bo did go to high school. Now, she was raised by, you know, human parents. So, you want yeah, I guess one thing I got to thinking, well, is this usual in the Fay community not going to high school? Because, you know, I joke. I mean, obviously, he, he does seem like a pretty smart guy, and he apparently is good at his job as a detective. Because, obviously, we, for the most part, only see the, the uh, Fay-related cases that he and Hale work on. And you've got to assume that he's, you know, certainly solving a lot of human crime problems as yeah, well there's no x-files in the toronto Police right Department, so so he so. apparently does his job well but i i found that interesting now you know the the whole relationship rules which we talked about you know a few minutes ago you know the whole idea of no commitments of any kind other than that he'll help her heal and i have I'm, yeah, there's making there's no breakfast quote marks. uh
1: no telling others except for uh, bo has a uh, so I can tell Kenzie or she'll pout right. uh, No sad goodbyes They're not exclusive Which you, know, you see like, it, it seems like they're setting up these rules Where they can be friends with benefits But yet when she brings up The, the issue of, of being exclusive He says well no we're not exclusive And she gets upset right. you know, So she throws out well th- you can't walk me out To my car then right. you know, Which ironically is then she gets nabbed Because you know, Dice is not with her When she goes out to her car
0: right but you know again it seems like everything slanted uh in dyson's favor in terms of these uh relationship rules but i think we all know that he would just as soon be exclusive with her
1: true yeah well because we saw last week how when they were quote unquote broken up he was you know mess you know punching up kids in the in the station and just being basically bad at his job and mean and grouchy and nasty and uh, so we see that there is a emotional connection, for sure. So why he still is trying to, to play it like this, you know, I, I mean, it's just, I know it's like, uh, events conspired to, to for them to end up doing it in Trick's pub, so that he gets busted by Trick. But it would seem like the whole emotional detachment is there simply because Trick told him to be emotionally detached. But yet, then again, they they go at it right in Trick's bar, right. which he had to though because she was
0: you know, right. in really bad shape. But that ultimately speaks to you know what is Trick's you know role, what's his standing in all of this, um, right. except for being grumpy. Yes. You know, and nasty and, and stinky and mean. Right. Now, again, he helps Beau access to the police database. And, and again, you know, it, it's like you mentioned, he, he does seem to be uh, fond of taking risks. And, you know, look, it's not like when she's in the police station that the other cops aren't noticing her because she can't walk into a room and not be noticed. I mean, that's... Okay. Um, now, the, the scene that I liked was when Kenzie confronts him about his relationship with Bo and basically yeah. tells him, you know, you're being a real douche. Yeah. Um, and, but she uh,
1: loves referring to him. You know, you, she refers him like that so many times. It's, it's right. just kind of a go to uh, put down for Kenzie.
0: Right. And then so she basically, you know, but she sort of alludes to the fact that she has an inkling that. She knows he likes her, and for whatever reason, he's acting like he doesn't. Okay, and I know. And then he says, "So, are you back on Team Dyson?" Come on, we're getting T-shirts. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, you wonder is that a nod to the fan community because I've certainly seen that out on uh, you know some but, of the uh, fan forums. Team form. Edward
1: team- and Team Jacob, right? Right. For, right. For Twilight. And almost you know. upset. that I actually know that, but.
0: Uh. Uh well we'll talk about that in a little bit but yeah Uh, he's a werewolf
1: (laughs) like you know Jacob is and everything so naturally right well we'll get to that when we talk
0: about the uh, Vampire Diaries yeah I'm sure we will unavoidable Um, anything else about Dyson Uh...
1: no you know he's he he's becoming a cooler character more well rounded character. Um, he's not spending his whole time scowling and, and grumpy. Oh, how can we miss the, uh, the breakout when he breaks out of the cooler in the morgue, man? Like that was like the most awesome scene in, in the episode where he just starts punching out the door as uh, Bo is being attacked by uh, Lucas, who has transferred himself into the body. Of A huge wrestler. I, look, this morgue is like the morgue for like hot chicks and and pro wrestlers, I guess But there's no old people in there. It's just only young people with with vague stab wounds somewhere on them But uh, well, so yeah, you know, she's she's being attacked and, and Dyson just you know, he's like punching You see him denting holes in the the
0: cooler of this morgue and finally uh, Bust the door off to come and save her Sort of like Falling Skies, you know, after the aliens come and kill 95% of the Earth's population, apparently only the attractive people survived. Yeah. So, well, that's, uh, it's all Darwin. Right. Yeah, that's, that's right. This natural right. selection. Now, Kenzie, and, and uh, you know, we, we, you started uh, getting to this early on. You know, we, we see one of the early scenes where she's meeting with that potential client who obviously seems like a nut, but, you know, yeah, you think, yeah. but can provide needed income. Right. and. And, uh, you know, you, you know, the whole thing about you mentioned Kenzie having to, you know, get rid of that sidekick label because she's really, you know, I don't want to say the brains of the outfit, but she kind of is. I mean, she, you know, um, she's very pissed that Bo missed that meeting. And again, one of her one of the great lines and she always has a bunch of them, do you think I like Acting like the adult yeah. <laughs> well, she's like, I learned spreadsheet Because right. you know, like, she
1: has to do all the managing And the organizational stuff uh, She's like A secretary almost. Is how she realizes people will see her Now obviously she's more than that She's integral, she's saved Bo Now on, I don't even know I, I can't even count already Rolling into episode 5 of how many times That she has saved Bo's life So, you know, there's more than that, but she's coming to see that other people see her as, you know, a kind of just a secretary-type position. And she's, like we said before, she she does not enjoy that that notion
0: one bit. Right. Um, You know, look, we've said again many times about her street smarts, and we see her in the poker, in the backroom poker game, and her ability to read people. And, you know, showing that, you know, she has value, uh, you know, even in the Faye community. And, uh, um, you know, so that was pretty cool. Then uh, after Hale tells her that she needs to kind of make her own mark is when she decides to surveil Myers guys and then gets caught and stuffed in the car trunk. Right. Um, And then.
1: Well, and, and, uh, you know, there's also now you mentioned Hale. We saw last episode where. Um, Bo is up in her bedroom uh, doing adult things and Kenzie is outside, in this case underneath, with her cornflakes or whatever, having to listen to it. The same thing happens. They do the same kind of comedic device again this episode, but now Hale is there as well. And so we start to see this kinship between Hale and Kenzie is, you know, A, obviously their characters are... Sidekick type right, characters, sure. uh, but uh, they also realize that they're, they're more than that, and, and there's a the certain kinship. They, they recognize that they are very similar uh, to each other, and, and so that was kind of neat.
0: Yeah, and he has to cheat to win it, pool with her,
1: right? But he's got a good point, though. You know, yes. like even in the, the regular human world, are, are do people are, they, are they, do they play fair? You know, if people have greater abilities or something, it's not like they're gonna. You know, dumb it down so they don't win. You, know, you
0: can do whatever you do. You can do to win. It's, and, and it's nice to just. I mean, look, she's she's a pretty um, uh, self-actualized person anyway. But you know, one of the lines there at the end, and I can't even remember who said what to to push her to this point. But uh, mock the human because that's not getting old. Right. Um, so yeah, and
1: again, that that whole idea of like, I getting sick of being. Treated differently than Bo because she's not Faye, and right. and not in bristling against that whole concept that she is some kind of lesser being because she's human.
0: Uh, she's really starting to outwardly rebel against that. So, all right. Now, lastly, I guess what about Bo and and what I I was thinking. You know, we see Bo. I mean, look, we've we see her in the procedural part, but I think the the important aspect of this episode is when she meets with the Oracle. And, uh, you know, the uh, the first part we see is, you know, as proof of legitimacy, the oracle, you know, recounts Bo's first sexual experience and its inevitable uh, unhappy ending. And, you know, apparently that was the event that sent Bo on the run.
1: Yeah. And so we we see that uh, what she's again, we've mentioned her search for self earlier. In that she's trying to figure out who she is. She is a lost girl. She's Completely, you know, she's Harry Potter all these things where she is in a completely Not so much unfamiliar now, but what was at first a completely unfamiliar world? And that she didn't even know existed now It's here and even the guy Jensen who she tries to do the suck you touch on him and it doesn't work And he says basically, you know, if if you if you were 20 years older, then, you know, I would not be able to resist it. But as it is now, she's still a neophyte. And so she, he is able to resist the, uh, the her power. But, he, you know, he recognizes that there is a tremendous amount of power there. Um, and so, you know, her mother apparently was betrayed
0: and then was on the run and now is c- coming to look for her. Yeah, and, and pretty uh, dark scene, you know, w- w- with the mother in some dark Prison like, uh, you know, chained to the wall, um, you know, escapes and, and searching for her child. And then, you know, the 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 interesting thing though, then she says, you know, that uh, there'll be a battle, and you will have to choose.
1: Yeah, which is we've known kind of right from the start that Bo, there's something very special about Bo, something that she's destined for. Um, even in the pilot, Trick was telling that to Dyson that. That there is something specific about her, and uh, realizing that you know, even if you remember what he said, kind of like the effect that there might be a time when we have to like put her down, you know, that uh, that there is something bigger than Bo. She doesn't know what it is, obviously. No, and Trick might have some kind of concept of what it is. But uh, that there is some big thing coming down the line, and
0: Bo's going to have to choose. Well, what she is, is choosing, light or dark, or choosing nah, does she say like,
1: choose? You're going to have to choose she, death, I think. It, does she
0: say that? I, if I, it, I, that, I thought she just that. said you will have to choose. I don't, yeah, and, and I, can't I guess remember. presumably, but you know, but between light and dark, or is it choose to you know between people? Right. Well, like, yeah, it can or, be any... or, or between Faye, not people. You
1: know, without. Knowing what's going to happen, there's it could be a wide range of choices, but it's going to be a big dramatic choice that probably with like lots of music and and a lot of uh editing cuts,
0: right? Now, Bo, you know, like these are not my memories. And the Oracle tells her, you know, you're a major player, fate has some serious plans for you, and like you said, you know, that, that we're learning now that. Uh, you know the the little inkling we got earlier in the in the series that she was important in some way. You know now again we've got reaffirmation of that and and kind of kicked it up a notch, and the fact that she realizes now her mother's alive.
1: Yeah, which you know obviously is probably going to come into play very soon. Uh, in here and it would be interesting because you know she's never known her mother so it'll be a big uh, hopefully her mother then can reveal to Bo to us some more about like what is what is so special about Bo why is everyone's you know why is why is it such a big deal what's this big event that seems to be surrounding her that as 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 you as the Oracle says Cassie said that uh, that fate has in store for her
0: right and you know again back to the rules you know we you know and she knows that her mother is Faye. right right well she knows
1: she we we learned that earlier that she knows that both her parents were
0: right are Faye. because she has the powers yes right so um now i'll tell you one line again i i wish i i, I typed it in here uh, out of context, and, and I know Bo says it. and Maybe you can put it in context again. I, it's 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 just one of those funny lines. It doesn't speak to the big picture or anything. Right. But uh, for a bunch of far out fairy folk, you sure are judgmental. <laughs> and I think she was in the bar at that point, and uh, I can't even remember who they were. Maybe they were talking about Meyer. But uh, again, some some good lines, and 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 for you know for me the episode like I said a, a little bit ago at, at first I thought well it was pretty good and uh, you know and then, but then really looking at it um maybe not the strongest of the season but but certainly you know it it pushed the story forward and that's what each each has to do in terms of the the show's mythology
1: yeah and I think also like I said I mean I think really the really the main thing at least for that accomplished for me I agree um not one of the. It's still obviously a good episode. I mean, you know, all the episodes are are, are good. Um, one of the better ones, no. And but one thing we do see here is the starting to see into the world of the dark fae, and we see that the you know, the dark fae <laughs> are not <clears throat> necessarily. We said this before. They're not necessarily bad right. or evil. Um, they're just different. They they live by different rules. And and we see that that Meyer actually uh, tries to recruit not just Bo but Kenzie as well. Right, like hey, you know, you want a job? He says you taste like a survivor. You know, why don't you come and uh, and join our side? So, um, you know, it looks like they, you know, they they do recruiting as well, uh, but they're just a little bit differently how they're organized, how they're run. Um, they have different attitudes on life, but, you know, again, not
0: necessarily bad. Well, and, and I think what I find fascinating also is that Trick's Bar is kind of this, you know, demilitarized zone where both sides can come in and drink and, and relax. And, you know, there's not going to be any conflict between the two. And, you know, I mean, where would you see that? Right.
1: Yeah. Well, there, I mean, there's some places, I guess, out there. I don't know. Never go out anymore, so I wouldn't know, but uh. yeah,
0: yeah, I know that. So, uh,
1: <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, get back to that line with uh, you know, a, uh, a bad peace is better than a good war. That you know, we're starting to see this as this kind of predominant attitude that you know, we just as long as there's not conflict, as long as we're not fighting one another, let's try to live in some type of harmony. We don't get along, we don't see eye to eye necessarily, we don't have the same outlook on life, but. The the alternative, outright warfare is you know not a uh, not not
0: enjoyable. Right. And And, at this point, we don't really. There's no reason that we see or that we know about why they should have a war. I mean, they're not they're not fighting over turf. Right. Except was there there a slight threat in the pilot that
1: there might be some kind of conflict over the whole bow issue? I can't.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, I think she kind of put a right. You know, quelled that one. So but
1: we we saw that there is you know the, the the threat of of violence breaking out between the two sides is kind of always there, and and Meyer certainly is aware, and and Dyson do. I mean, the reason they follow these rules is because there is this threat that if the rules aren't followed, something bad's going to happen.
0: Right. So all right, so we'll uh, you know we'll put a close on uh, episode five, and you know this week's. Uh, foray into the supernatural tv world for Wayne and myself in terms of improving our supernatural street cred a little bit. Uh, yeah, I don't know do, if I would say it's improved after well, this Well, I'll bit. tell you now. Now you guys if you've been listening, you know we we took a look at the pilot for Supernatural and and while we both really gave it high marks, admittedly I I've, I've stopped after the pilot. Wayne um on episode 10 or 11 I think. I don't even know. But it's that that show's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it's just a little bit too daunting at this point. And, and, you know, I'm sure I'll get to it at some point. But uh, this week, we took a look at the Vampire Diaries pilot episode, which uh, airs on the CW Network. And the pilot aired on September 10th, 2009. So what would you think? I mean, okay. Uh, so I watched
1: like the first five minutes. I guess the first time I sat down to watch it, I only was able to sit down for like five, ten minutes. So I saw basically the opening uh, sequence which was really cool as it was you know this i mean not cool as in people died but it's very well done very compelling pretty scary um you know a couple driving down the road uh, the guy says i love you at which point you know he's probably going to die if not both of them are going to die and that's what happens exactly so and then bam you know cuts to that's it and we're like whoa you know um but i'm not so sure the rest of it Played out to the promise that those first uh, Couple minutes showed To me I I guess I know that this was post Twilight right it just seemed Too much like Twilight you know the whole concept The whole she's too much Like Bella the the dudes too much Like Edward that's even coming into School and
0: all this stuff. I guess I'm just vampired out, I guess yeah. would be. The, well, it did pull in the most viewers of any premiere since the CW started in 2006. And, you know, it's been renewed for a fourth season, so it's been doing well. But, you know, I, I certainly agree with what you said, right? Small town in Virginia, most of the action centers centers around a group of high school students doing. And I know, you know, you talk all the time about cliches as plot devices and doing you know i guess they're cliched high school things i'm you know i don't know what your experience is with uh you know high school but uh, we see this a lot well Um,
1: like movie i like i mean it's not have doesn't bear any reality at all to an actual high school you know like you're like the teacher is such a jerk man like you know like okay everyone has a teacher who's a jerk but not someone who's like really that outwardly like going around like oh you know nice you're terrible, stupid student, you know, basically putting down every kid right to their face right in front of the whole class. It's like, this guy's just not professional. And, then, you know, the students themselves, uh, the, the kids uh, you know, play it sounds more like a teen movie than, they don't really I, I didn't really buy these kids as as real life teenagers. Except for maybe the girl, Elena, right? She She seemed kind of like a real person almost, but almost everyone
0: else was uh, it's just some shade of a, a uh, you know, high, high school stereotype. Now, I don't know how to say this next thing without, you know, putting my man card in jeopardy, but... Uh, All
1: right, well, just put it on the table in case I need to take it.
0: Um, yeah, well, watching uh, the second Twilight movie the other day... Uh, <laughs> uh, All right, hand it over. Hand <laughs> uh, it over. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, all right. anyway, so we've got a, a brother and sister recovering from the loss of their parents in a car accident, sister doing better, brother's a mess, you know, kind of again, and, and I like this format because I liked it in Supernatural, you know, with the one brother seemed to really be getting on with his life and the other, you know, of course we learn by the end of the episode, you know, what the real deal is, right. but, but, you know, I, I like that setup. Okay. Um, well, well, you got to have like the one
1: kid that's kind of handling it and the one that's that's not so they they, they're foils and right they play off of each other and you know then the the uh the one who who's handling it appears to be someone who can just handle stuff in general is a more
0: level stable person a a better hero or heroine in this case so we've got the uh, the new dreamy boy arrives for his first day of school But's forced to use the Jedi mind trick to convince the registrar to let him register. Yeah, I love um, that. Now, where have we seen this before? Oh, oh, no, he's a vampire. Yeah. Okay. And he likes the, the human... The registrar,
1: gr- is like, you think like maybe like 10 minutes later, she'd be like, hey, well, <laughs> he's still, wait a second. That kid was in here, and the paperwork still isn't in. I, I seem to remember feeling weird for about 10 minutes, yeah. but uh, this kid still needs his birth certificate.
0: And in. I'm shocked. He likes the human girl. Yes, of course.
1: Well and, and the 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 only like dark haired goth human girl right there. Stefan Salvatore. Stefan Salvatore. Really? Salvatore.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <All> <laughs> well there's now, there's
0: so many people with that name in Virginia, you know. Okay. Just... <laughs> now now the one thing that you know, to in all seriousness, um I think one of the things, you know, we we've seen vampires portrayed throughout literature as as, you know, really being highly intelligent and, and I think that gets reinforced here as it does in Twilight, and that it's good to know that vampires use Macintosh computers. (laughs) Because, you know, I mean, clearly they're smart, and that just, you know, reinforces my confidence that they are. Because I know Bella, you know, has her MacBook Pro, and, uh, you know, this guy had an iMac as well. Yeah, and
1: this whole thing with vampires that eat, like, cows and squirrels and stuff, it's just. All right, listen, the vampire is supposed to be a threatening character. The vampire is a mix of, like, sexuality and sensuality and danger and everything, and that's what makes a vampire cool. If you take the danger element out of there, then you got these, like, little wussy vampires, like... Edward and 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 Stefan sorry Stefan sorry writers but that's that's the case without the danger there and like oh well he sees blood on her ankle and he freaks out a little bit and he runs away well no if you want to make a realistic vampire he sees the blood he goes bites her in the neck makes her a vampire and they they go off hunting and killing people and and stuff like that and you know that's that's what a vampire should be like but now they've made these kind of like these cuddly cute cuddly vampires you know they're like oh they're he's a cute vampire he's uh, getting bring him home and show him the mom and dad you know like that's the whole twilight thing where right. the whole point is this this girl wants to become a vampire like this like the whole series is you've seen it
0: okay see now like like your wife my my wife uh doesn't listen to the podcast at all, and uh, but she has become fascinated with the whole Robert Pattinson, uh, Kristen Stewart fiasco. So uh, yeah. you know it kind of renewed her interest. We both saw the uh, first Twilight movie uh, you know a while ago. So uh, you know we we t- it, I happened to have it T V O D for you know months ago. So we started taking a look of look at it. Of course, she fell asleep, but there was that scene in there where the uh, the English teacher uh, you know comes you know mr uh, mr cullen what you know repeat the lines it's like i don't care i i, I not know the smartest kid in the class isn't going to be able to repeat the. yeah of course well,
1: well, he, well, that's like the the history teacher in this one it's like well how many people you know died at the the battle of mystic falls and it's like seriously yeah like you know and like he gets mad that the kids don't know this i'm like why
0: would you expect why would why would they
1: know that anyway
0: right. ever Now, you know, I kind of, okay, cliche, they meet in the graveyard, Elena hurts her leg, and, you know, she notices him, uh, you know, I guess looking at her leg and the blood, and, you know, that line, blood makes you squeamish? Uh, Something like that. You know, it's like you said, I mean, the vampire should be, and look, uh, admittedly, we're guys. So we're coming (laughs) at this whole vampire thing from a a different place, and that, you know, okay, we get, you Know the appeal here, uh, you know, for this show is probably you know 15 to you know, I'm afraid to put a number, but 16, <laughs> yeah, you <know>, uh, year old <laughs> girls. But, uh, you know, in in terms of the the actors, I mean, the lead female, Nina Dobrov, I believe is her name, uh, you know, she wasn't too bad and she's cute, and you know, I mean, for that I role, the acting
1: was 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 good, you know, yeah. like, I'm not I can't fault the actors one bit, right?
0: And, and like you mentioned already, you know, very Edward like. Uh, male lead, Paul Wesley. Um, you know, we've got the kind of cliched character for just about every high school movie has the the damaged drug or sex or both girl who gets, you know, gets attacked and, you know... You,
1: you knew she was going to get it right. the minute you met her. You met know, right. that she was kind of promiscuous, apparently. So that she's like... She's going to be a victim, definitely. Probably before this episode's out and, and look what happened. Yes, she was a victim. So...
0: You know, Ian Somerhalder, uh you know, he, he, again, most people know him from Lost. And, and I got to say, he was the first major character to die in Lost. And, you know, while it was somewhat surprising at the time, I wasn't all that broken up about uh, his death.
1: Yeah, no, well, there were, there were plenty of, of women across the country who were very distraught when, when Boone bought it. Uh, uh, but a lot, as, you, as you say, again, from the guy bias,
0: like— like the we if if someone's got to go it's got to be the pretty boy right yeah and you know i will say in this so far i mean he's kind of cool he's he's pretty bad and uh you know so far he'd be okay well see there you go because who is the only really
1: cool character in this Damon, right well right. why because he's the dangerous vampire right. right he's not this little oh i'm gonna go and eat some cow's blood type vampire he's the traditional dangerous vampire that's what the va- the vampire represents things deep inside our subconscious right it, it, it represents some very primal fears that we have and if the vampire doesn't like biting people in the neck then that it goes away he's not a vampire anymore he's just he's a, a cow
0: sucker he's, he's Basically a really hardcore beef eater. Now, what I can tell you is the, the 38th annual uh, Saturn Awards, which uh, you know, um, focus on science fiction, uh, supernatural, uh, horror, uh, in, ter- in the category Best Youth-Oriented Series on Television, Being Human – Which you know, I'm vaguely. I believe that might even be vampires again. Well, that's the one with there's like a vampire, a werewolf, and a ghost. Okay, right? Yeah, I I believe it is. Uh, Doctor Who, (laughs) Nine Lives of Chloe King. Never heard of it. ABC Family. Okay, Uh, Secret Circle, which is on the CW. Uh, Teen Wolf on MTV and Vampire Diaries on uh, the CW. Uh, Teen Wolf One. Um, I've n- never seen I've never seen anything on this list other than I Doctor that, the Who movie though with uh, Michael J Fox. I was... Well, good point. But uh <laughs> <laughs> on the strength of that. Right. Now, I will say that uh it doesn't look like any of the uh the actors were nominated from um from that show. But uh now look, I'm not a big vampire fan anyway, but you know, I'm with you in that if I'm going to watch vampires, I want them to be scary. Um, This seems to be aimed at young women, so I I really can't see picking this show up. And and I can pretty much say with confidence I'm probably not going to watch another episode of The Vampire Diaries unless a female actress that I love is making a guest appearance. And even then – okay, do you know who Olivia Munn is? That sounds familiar. There was a show on uh, G4, which uh, my cable uh, system ended up losing – but it was a show called Attack of the Show and they 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 basically dealt with pop culture you know they would they would have um, you know JJ Abrams on for an interview before you know Mission Impossible or Fringe uh they would you know review the latest uh you know cell phone uh, the latest smartphone whatever it just anyway she was one of the uh hosts she was the female host and uh yeah pretty hot so <laughs> now I'm a, there, there are no huger Olivia Munn fans, and when she left Attack of the Show to do the sitcom Perfect Couples, I was pretty excited. It was unwatchable. Yeah, I saw the pilot. I, Even with her, you I, just... I couldn't get through the pilot, and and honestly, I never saw anything other than the pilot. Um, right. Well, if the pilot's bad,
1: then you can't really so you
0: know it's, you just, know, it's not going to go up from there. And and I certainly don't you know I I don't think the Vampire Diaries pirate was you know in that league because you know it was good for what it was. No, it's yeah, just it, was, not, it was a it was a well made episode, no question
1: about, um, said the, the acting was, was pretty good. They're uh, attractive people. There is this backstory where, uh, Elena looks just like this woman, Catherine from 1860s, who apparently either one or two of these brothers was in love with. And maybe that's why there is some split where the brother Damon says, you know, I, I've, vowed to, you know, like make your life miserable basically for all eternity. Um, so something happened between these two brothers that, uh, that you know, Damon's very upset with him and, and they obviously have no really, there's not a lot of love, any love lost between these two. And so th- there's some compelling elements there, some overarching mythology and mystery that's involved there. This guy who's, again, like Edward Cullen, has been alive since the beginning of time, or whatever, for, you know, a hundred, well, now I guess almost 200 years or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, when you just have like a bunch of teenagers, it's, it's geared towards teenagers. So, you know, it's, it's the fact that I didn't really care for it should in no way detract from the show's appeal because it's it's not trying to appeal to
0: me. Right. And to be honest, if I had a teenage daughter who was watching the show, I would probably sit down and watch it with her, assuming she allowed me to. Yeah. Um, which she probably wouldn't. Which but. she probably wouldn't. But uh, all right. Now, uh, today is a Tuesday. Yes. Today's Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. And we're, Wayne and I are going to be recording again Thursday, so we're not going to uh, pick up a, a pilot for next time. Okay, we're, and we don't have a top ten this time. We will have one next time. So, uh, you know, because we don't have a whole lot of time in between episodes. Too much homework. Too much homework. So uh, now, what we do want to do touch on though is last episode's top 10 list, which was the top 10 sci-fi, fantasy, supernatural, bad guys. And at the time, we didn't put them in any order. And uh, I'll go ahead and blame it on Wayne. Uh, you know, Wayne was getting ready to leave on vacation. And he said, Dave, why don't you just put them in an order? So so I did. And, uh, you know, we haven't gotten a lot of feedback from the audience, but we did get uh, a comment from Nick on the website who, uh, you know, admitted to not having seen all the shows. But he brings up a good point in that, you know, perhaps the TV characters uh, uh, enjoy an unfair advantage because, you know, we get to see more of them. We see their characters developed more. And that's a good point.
1: Yeah, that is a good point. But I also, and I kind of respond back to Nick saying this, is that one thing that movie baddies or just characters have over TV ones is that of exposure that a lot more people are gonna see a movie than the TV show. So there's gonna be like Darth Vader is iconic, right? Right. Everybody knows who Darth Vader is. Gollum, everyone knows who Gollum is. And uh you know, but not everyone knows who like the master is. Not everyone knows the people from Stargate we had on the list, or right. from Farscape you know, Scorpius. No one probably knows who Scorpius right. and is. And then when yeah. you
0: take, the, you know, characters like the Joker and Lex Luthor, I mean, they even have, you know, history in the comic world. So, so they're, you know, right. m- you know, not, not to mention, uh, you know, TV. Uh, shows from the '60s with with Batman and, and Superman.
1: So I, I stand by the fairness of our list okay. here. That I think that the, the characters that we pick from movies are all pretty iconic type characters. That and as you said, have um, are, are in not just movies but in books and comic right. books and other literature. Some of them are, you know, when someone says "my precious," you know, like right. everyone knows what that means. You Absolutely. don't have to explain that illusion. So
0: right. And I think you know. Now you might argue with the order, but I, I gotta say, number one, I, I don't know. I mean, is there anybody that should be at the top of the list other than Darth Vader?
1: No, I. I th- there's no question. Like if you're talking about baddies in in science fiction, you know, the
0: the number one guy's got to be Darth Vader. And it, it's interesting because I'm. Yeah, I think I've mentioned this before. Uh, I've been watching the. Uh, first three episodes of Star Wars, which are actually, if you don't know, which most of our listeners probably do, which were actually the fourth, fifth, and sixth movies that were made, uh, Phantom Menace, uh, uh, Return of the Sith, is that what it's? Uh, Revenge of the Revenge Sith. Revenge of the Sith, the, the, and then the, what's the third the one called? The
1: Attack of the Clones, actually, is the second I'm one. I'm sorry, right. Attack of the Clones, the second one, and uh, Revenge of the Sith. Okay, is well, the I'm third. on
0: Revenge of the Sith now, and, and and obviously the interesting thing is to see, you know, how uh, Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader. And, 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 you know, part of, you know, just seeing that development, uh, you know, going from the good to the bad, but, um, yeah, like you said, I mean, there's not a more iconic bad guy.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'm not a, a huge fan of episodes one, two and well, one and two so much, but episode three, I thought is, is really good. Um, because he really kind of you know, really slams into that Joseph Campbell mythology, and uh, actually, you know, really relates also to classic tragedy. We see the fall of Anakin, uh, really just goes along with you know Aristotle's kind of uh, definition of the tragic hero and the tragic hero's fall, and it, it follows it almost perfectly. It's no. really Spo- good
0: spoiler alert! I'm only at the point, and spoiler alert for Wayne, so he doesn't tell me something I don't know yet. Because believe it or well, not, I, I mean, you know. Well, he, believe, but believe it or not, I've never actually seen this movie. I, I saw Phantom Menace, and I think I saw part of Attack of the Clones, but I know I never saw the whole thing, and I know I definitely never saw Revenge of the Sith. So, you know, I, I'm speculating. Like, at this point, she's pregnant. Yeah. And and they basically are still you know we can't you know we've got to keep our you know our love kind of secret so that's pretty much where I am at this point. Now okay. I can speculate as to what's going to happen and what's going to drive him to the dark side, but you know we don't know yet. Now, like number two, we had Scorpius, and again, we understand that Farscape, uh, you know, in, in terms of the big sci-fi picture, uh, you know, may be foreign to a lot of uh, our listeners because it was foreign to us up until a year ago. And uh, you know, interestingly enough, one of the categories on the 38th annual uh, Saturn Awards was Best DVD Release, and the Farscape complete set was one of the one of the choice. It didn't win, but that's okay.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing a lot more Farscape references now. And Farscape was um, was one of uh, Entertainment Weekly had Farscape listed as one of the cult top 25 cult classics. So. Um, I th- again, you know, I, I chalk this up to kind of Netflix's influence. That what one thing, one great thing about Netflix is that you can go and find uh, some an episode like or a, a show like Farscape, and go and and you know, there's bam, new fans for Farscape. Uh, you know, a couple years too late, but there you go, you know, the, and new fans. Um, though. Of course, Netflix doesn't have the Peacekeeper Wars, you know, which is the the thing that annoys me about Netflix. Is like, all right, so you know, like for Doctor Who, you're watching Doctor Who, ba 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 ba. You get to the Doctor Who specials, and they don't have uh, the de- the Planet of the Dead, which I know is a personal yeah. favorite of yours. Yes, it is because of the presence of Michelle Ryan in yes. there. But uh, yeah, but like, why do you have every single Doctor Who episode? from since you know they restarted in 2005 you've every single episode right up to season 6 is on there now and the christmas special is on there now but you
0: don't have this one episode and you have to yeah, I, again there's I, I find myself asking this question a lot about a lot of things but you have to wonder who's making these decisions i mean somebody is saying okay let's put farscape you know for streaming okay how many seasons are there And some, you know, I mean, did you not realize that there was then, you know, the Peacekeeper Wars that. Well, and then, you know,
1: there's there's no one at Netflix to go on to like the, the, because if you pull up FireScape, a lot of people are saying, well, this is really good, but they don't have Peacekeeper Wars. Like there's people commenting right on Netflix's website to let the people there know, hey. You know, and people say, "Hey, Netflix, when we get Peacekeeper Wars?" So it's like, do they do they not know? Do they not? You
0: and, and you gotta believe. And even if the Peacekeeper Wars, and I don't know this off the top of my head, even if it was made by a different production company than the series, it's more than likely that Netflix has a relationship with whatever production company you would, you would think. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, all right. Well, our. Top 10 list for next time looks like – can I go ahead and say this? Are we going to – Go ahead okay. and reveal. Yeah, we're going to do a, little a t- teaser for no, next time. The top 10, and, and, and we'll pro- at this point we're not going to order it, although we reserve the right to change our minds. Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be 10 actresses that we would like to see in a sci-fi movie or TV show that has not appeared in one. All right, not-
1: they might have been like the, you know, some bit part in one. Like, I'm not, if someone comes and says, well, you know, like, you know, th- this actress was the third girl from the left and this one scene in a sci fi film, okay. So she was in a sci fi. But we're talking about like to be the lead, you know, to be like a, a, something, a vehicle
0: that is centered on this actress. Okay. Or at least has speaking lines. Right. Okay. So, all right. So uh, I think that'll about do it for. This episode of Fatalists, and uh, like we said, we'll be back again in two days to uh, record the next one and get back on track. And, uh, you know, like you guys, we're excited for Season 3, which will be in January. And and like we mentioned in our introductory podcast, the plan here is to get caught up with Seasons 1 and 2 and be able to start podcasting with Season 3 in real time and that uh you know we're we're gonna throw that caveat out if we're not quite completed with season two we'll probably just stop and pick up at season three but But we're trying people we're we're, trying we're trying so uh all right anyway until next time it's been a pleasure and we'll see you in a couple days